This is Recognize, a podcast about the NHL's black and biracial hockey heroes, proudly supported by eBay Canada. Ever since I was a kid, I collected hockey cards with spare change my dad gave me. As a black person, to see others like me on the ice inspired me. They were my role models and showed me hockey is a game for everyone. I've collected 100 rookie cards for NHL's black and biracial players, and I'm going to talk to all of them so you can learn their stories. Chris Beckford, TCU, was born in Ontario in 1984. He is a goalie who played for the St. Louis Blues in the 2007-2008 season. He also played a long career across the OHL, AHL, and ECHL. Let's meet the man from the card. So hi, Chris. It's great to have you on the My Hockey Hero podcast. How are you doing? Oh, great. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on. So you were born in Toronto, Canada and played professional hockey from 2004 until 2010, I believe. And along the way, you were successful in playing um, one NHL game, which is something a lot of people cannot say they have done. So um, I think it's amazing that you accomplished that feat. And I just want to start out by asking you, uh, when you see this photo of your rookie card, which I should have here, <laughs> but it's with St. Louis, uh, what 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 comes to mind when you see this rookie card? <laughs> I mean, it, it brings back a lot of great memories, obviously, right? So my mom probably appreciates it more than I did at the time, but I'm just happy I ended up getting a rookie card and it's something I can always hold on to, right? So. Yeah, so lots of uh, lots of hard work to accomplish something that uh, not many people can say they they can do. So not only do you play NHL game and and you have a rookie card, I think that that's incredible. So let's uh, let's talk about cards. Then were you a card collector growing up for for sports such as hockey? Yeah, I mean you know when I was younger, definitely I had a baseball card collection, had uh, the hockey cards, obviously. Um, you know, as I got a little bit older in grade school, got into the pogs, the hockey pogs a little bit. So, yeah, I was always always interested in, you know, getting the cards of guys you grew up idolizing, watching play and stuff. So it was definitely something I was into. And you mentioned pog cards? Yeah, there was those. I forget. I think they were called pogs. They were these little caps. We used to play games and try to win them off each other at lunchtime at recess. So got okay. got pretty big into those. Yeah. So you really kind of diversified your collection. Um, and you mentioned... Uh, baseball so were you a a multi-sport athlete a little bit i mean i I played a little bit of basketball in high school t-ball stuff like that playing when i was younger but you know for the most part i was mostly hockey i'd say focusing in on hockey uh can you tell us when you first started skating and how you learned to skate and who supported you i grew up with my mom chinese background so we weren't a big hockey family growing up but my grandma used to watch the leafs every Saturday. So I guess that's kind of how I got into it. I wanted to play hockey, but my mom didn't really know where to get things started. So I ended up starting, I guess it would have been the can skate program or whatever back in the day um, at Seneca college. And then started to learn how to skate, got into hockey. I was probably about five, five when I started and got into hockey when I was about seven and just went on from there. So can skate and uh, Seneca college reminds me of uh the great uh, female black player, Angela James, was a player at Seneca College, I believe. Was that in the North York area? Were you familiar with Angela James playing? 
I wasn't when I was growing up, but you know, obviously I know who she is now, right? Yeah, I mean, my first hockey camp was over at Seneca. Um, it was actually Steve Spot was running it, so he's coaching in the NHL now. So I mean, I've always been around some good hockey people right from the time I started, and you know, I've been lucky enough to have pretty good coaching all the way through. Okay, and was it uh, what neighbor in Toronto then would you have been um, uh, growing up in? I grew up in uh, Richmond Hill. So I was born in Toronto. Yeah. My my mom ended up moving to Richmond Hill when we were, I think I was like three or four. So I grew up there and just continued playing in Toronto. Yeah. Okay. So that's just north of Toronto and uh, York region. That's right. So when did you decide that you wanted to be a goalie? It was pretty early on. I mean, my first year, I guess you started out, everyone plays I seven-year-olds. I guess it was tight back then. So everyone rotates they have a chance in that and i just i always love the equipment like the, the mask and stuff so once it was my turn in that i don't think i ever went back out again and you were sensing some success at that age of seven eight in goalie that uh that made you feel like you know that's going to be your position yeah i mean like i had some early success but I, probably the biggest thing was i was getting tired of skating up and down the ice you had the two minute shifts i'm sitting on the bench the whole time it's just a way for me to be out there the, the whole game yeah. right and did that lead for you to uh were you a, a kid who grew up also playing road hockey and was that your preferred position if you did a road hockey we did we played a ton of road hockey i grew up in i guess a cul-de-sac so we were a bunch of kids out there get the two nets set up one on each end but no i I hated going in that. So when we were playing road hockey, we played a lot of roller hockey back then too. I was, I was always trying to score goals. So roller hockey, that would have been a new phenomenon too, I guess in the early 2000s. So um, you experimented with both roller hockey and ice hockey. Yeah, a little bit of roller hockey. I mean, roller hockey was more just, you know, playing with your friends outside and stuff. I, I ended up playing in a league for one year, but for the most part, it was just on ice. So tell us about the levels of hockey you played then, because you said you made the decision about being goalie at seven and eight. Were you someone that was a triple A player or, or uh, other levels growing up? Tell us about how that shaped up for you. And so my first year, you start out, I was seven, I guess it would have been house league. And then there was the select team and I guess the select team needed a goalie. So I put my hand up, ended up doing that, played the year there. And then my first year, actually, I, tried out for our team back then was Richmond Hill Vaughn Kings. It would have been in the OMHA back then. Uh, I was trying out for the team. They had another goalie they wanted. He ended up not wanting to play on the team. I guess he wanted to play out a little bit. So he ended up going double A. So I got his spot. And then pretty much I was Vaughn King all the way up till I was probably 15, 14, 15. And then uh, I played for the Marlies for two years. I know you talked about, Chris, about uh... – being a, a select goalie and volunteering, and then you joined the Boyd Vaughn rep system, and that's the team you played with? Yeah, so, I mean, it was uh, my first team in select there, or house league, would have been Richmond Hill Jaguars, you know, the seven-year-old team. Uh, they needed a goalie, put my hand up, and <laughs> ended up working out for me. Um, you know, the year after, I guess, minor in August, it would have been. It's a first-year AAA, I guess, for the OMHA guys. Um Tried out for the AAA team. They they wanted to take another goalie, but he ended up turning down the spot. And I ended up playing with that team until I was probably about 14 years old. And then I went went over to the Marlies. Okay. So those were all, you were a AAA goalie. Yeah. AAA. Yeah. Pretty much all the way up. And there's got to be, um, 
you know, tough on a goalie to still always believe sometimes there might just be a team with two great goalies and how does a coach decide to put it, decide, divide up the time? Yeah. I mean, so growing up with the Vaughn Kings there, we, we actually, we had another goalie. We, we pretty much split. We were 50, 50, no matter how well you played pretty much all the way till we were probably about 13. And then maybe I started playing an extra game or two here and there, but we pretty much split all the way, all the way through. You mentioned the Marlies. Is, is that a big step for you to make and change clubs to the Marlies? Cause then you're becoming part of the, the GTHL. Is that, I mean, so back then what happened was my first year playing with the Vaughn Kings, we were in the OMHA and then the second year we were in the Alliance. And then the third year we became a GTHL program. So it was kind of, I was in the league already. And then okay. um, our team ended up breaking up or our coach went to coach junior and a bunch of us just ended up going over to the Marlies. So, okay. And was that a good uh, step in the right direction for you? The Marlies, did that open up some doors for you? I, I mean, you know, like I tell guys all the time now, it's, you know, if you're good enough, they'll find you. Um, but at the time, you know, everyone's always like, let's go to the best team. Let's do that. And, you know, guys I had played with, they're all going over there. So I just kind yeah. of followed them. Yeah. And was that a successful winning team? Those, those next couple of years when you're 14, 15, 16? Yeah. I mean, it's a Marley's team. So the expectations are always there. I mean, I think we fell a little short. What would be our, our draft year? But I'd say overall it was pretty successful for us. You know, a lot of guys ended up moving on and advancing their careers. So, so um, share with the listeners and some names of some people that um, that ended up being successful, making it to the NHL that you played with as a young person. There's a ton of them. I mean, I guess the biggest name I would have played with growing up with the Marlies would be Rick Nash. So he was on our team. Um, I'm an '84, sorry, '84 pro hockey team. I I'd say probably all of them ended up playing, you know, major junior in the NHL. So, I mean, it was, it was a pretty good age group. So, I, I there's a ton of guys. I couldn't even start to name them all. How about playing against then? Is anyone else like a Rick Nash type name that is from your, your age group you recall playing against? I mean, the 84s, like, you know, a big guy playing against growing up would have been Spezza. He's a year older. And then there's Mike Camilleri, but. You know, growing up in Toronto, there's always a ton of good players. So, And everyone should know Jason Spezza just sort of wrapped up his career with the Leafs last year. So it's interesting how much longevity some players have and some don't. It's got to be neat for you to reflect upon playing against these players, right? It, it yeah. takes a lot to have a long career, that's for sure, be successful. Yeah. So uh, situating ourselves with this minor hockey, and you talked about your unique identity, I believe, uh, Black, biracial, Chinese. So um, tell us about what that was like. Did you feel supported? Were there some situations that um, were not too great for you to deal with in terms of racism? You can just uh, share with us your experiences. You know, I, I think it's different for everybody. You know, obviously there's going to be situations of some racism involved. Um, but I, I was with a, I was with a pretty good coaching staff and there's a good support system around me. You know, it wasn't really tolerated. But of course, you know, you play against other teams, you get the occasional things said to you, but I, I wouldn't say that there are, you know, coaches I had that were racist where, you know, I wouldn't get an opportunity, but, you know, definitely as I got older, you could feel it a little bit more, but not so much in minor hockey for me. That's interesting for you to share about that support system. So, so what did that mean? Like, obviously you may have felt comfortable within your own teammates, but were you a target for other players being 
a goalie? Did that ever happen? Did, did people stand up to your defense or referee supported you? Do you have any memories about that? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it would always be back then it wasn't as big of an issue, right? It wasn't as mainstream. Like it was something that people didn't really want to talk about, right? So a lot of the time it would get handled behind the scenes. But, you know, for, from my perspective, I always felt that my coaches had my back. You know, my mom was always there for me. So I, I think the situation was handled pretty well. And I think a lot of people from that era tolerated things a certain way. But I guess now that you're older, looking back, I guess, um, you know, you're likely in support of other people to say, like, you know, it shouldn't have to be that way. The fact that you were different shouldn't be treated or responded to differently than other teammates, right? There's probably more instances than I, I even remember because you just kind of had to, it was almost like you had to let it go, right? Like, it's who are you going to tell? What are they going to do about it? And it would just kind of cause a big issue. And as a player, you're just, you know, you're trying to make it. And you don't, one of the big things that you concern yourself with, with is, I don't want to be that guy who causes a problem. And, you know, now maybe I'm not going to get an opportunity I deserve because they think it's just going to be an issue that they have to deal with. Right. So I think yeah. back then it's a lot different now, but back then a lot of the stuff just kind of got swept under the rug. Sure. So um, the tables have turned now where it's not just uh, your issue, but uh, everyone's um, responsible, whether that's coaches, referees, teammates being allies. So that's a, a good step in the right direction. So tell us then what led to your playing with the Junior B St. Michael's, because I imagine that would have been a, a big step for you to then uh, end up being um, drafted, I believe, to Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, so I was, uh, I was drafted to Guelph Storm. Back then, there was uh, I, the underage rules were different, right? So if you weren't in the first two rounds and you weren't eligible to play, so, you know, my 16-year-old year, I needed to find a place to play, and St. Mike's gave me an opportunity, and uh, that's where I decided to go. The draft year, though, tell us how all, all that went down then, because it, it sounds like maybe in your AAA year, you got drafted and then moved on to to find out you were drafted by Guelph. Yeah, so it would have been, I guess, now it's minor midget. So it was, you know, your 15-year-old season. I was hoping to get drafted. And then, you know, we had a pretty good season. I had a pretty good season. And, you know, I was selected by Guelph in the fifth round. And I get you know, just got to go to camp, got the experience, and I was sold on the OHL. I don't know if my my mom was really sold on it, but you know, she said I, I was uh, I was I was always pretty good in school, so it was you know go to St. Mike's, we'll see what what kind of how things transpire from there, and you know, luckily enough, she she let me go play in the OHL. Yeah, and I, I imagine what you're getting at there is. Um... St. Mike's also, um, would you have attended school at the private school or was your, was your only affiliation with the junior team? Um, yeah, so back then, I, I know it's different now, but back then anyone that played on, you know, the buzzers or the majors had to attend the school. So I, I was at the school full time. So that's a really, uh, you know, great situation to be in, I guess, being able to, to play that team and get a private education, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's, you know, a ton of history. You go, you walk into St. Mike's and you can just, you know, feel it in the atmosphere, right? All the great players that have been through there. So it was definitely an honor to be able to put on that jersey and, you know, represent the M. The point that you were making about your mother and the options. So then were you courted by some NCAA teams as an option to, to play? My, my mom, she, uh, she, when I grew up, she was working at the U of T. So she was always pushing the school route all the way through. Um, you know, at 16, you don't really get any, it was a little different 
for goalies, you know, they like to take them older, but I went on a couple visits and I, I was growing up watching all the OHL games. I already had yeah. my mind made up. So it wasn't, it, I mean, it wasn't a fight that she was likely going to win. Yeah. Well, a great situation to be in to have those options. And who were some of the OHL teams you were watching then living in Richmond Hill? So I, I watched a lot of London. Um, I don't know if you remember Freddie Brathwaite used to play there. So I'd watch him. I guess it would have been on Global or whatever it was, the OHL game of the week type of thing. So, yeah. you know, every weekend I'd be watching that stuff, watching highlights. So not as easy as it is now to catch games, but I'd always find a way to find them. So I want you to elaborate on that a little bit further, because ironically, you mentioned Fred Brathway, former NHL player who uh, played for a number of NHL teams, I believe uh, was also a goalie with the Oilers, which had a number of uh, goalies who were black. Um, so what did it mean then to for you to connect with Fred Brathway and watching those games? Was that a, was that a very um, important thing for you to see that representation and, and build your confidence that this is something that you can do? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, Back then, it's not quite as it is now. You know, there's a lot more, you know, um, minority players, right? But back then, there's it's pretty few and far between, so especially in net. So just getting to watch a guy, you know, look kind of similar to, watch him be able to do it and have success, it definitely, it definitely inspires you and makes you believe that something that's achievable. Yeah. So looking at your stats here, you played five games with the Guelph Storm following um, the year with St. Michael's and Oshawa. So you get called up. And then tell us how you then end up going to the Oshawa Generals. Yeah, I mean, so my first year in Guelph, we, um, they ended up signing a goalie from the, UA, from the U.S. National Program. And then they had um, Andrew Penner, who was signed to Columbus, so you know, there's only one net, not a lot of room in it for me. And then, um, you know, I guess George Burnett, he, he made a trade for me and I got an opportunity to play in Oshawa and, you know, I spent most of my OHL career there. Yeah. You play, uh, three seasons, 2001 to 2003, with Oshawa. And I mentioned earlier, Fred Brathwaite, somebody you looked up to would have been their goalie, I think early 90, early 1990s. Yeah. Um, did, did that resonate with you, the fact that you were going to a team where it's uh, someone you looked up to played? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, just that organization, there's a ton of history there as it is. And, you know, obviously growing up watching Freddie, Lindros, and all those guys, it's it was close to my hometown, right, close to Toronto. So I was, you know, I was really excited just to be in the league and have an opportunity to put that jersey on. So throughout those years, the three years, you have a pretty low goals against average of 3.34, 3 3.16, 3. <laughs> Not that low. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it depends. It was the early 2000s. There was still yeah. a lot of scoring. So. <laughs> if you're enjoying Recognize and thinking about starting your own hockey card collection, I'd suggest you start with eBay eBay is all about connecting communities and feeling passions. Because of its thriving card collector community, I was able to make my dream come true by collecting the rookie cards of the NHL's black and biracial players. Start your own collection at ebay.ca slash hockey cards. Is it a winning team during those years? Yeah, I mean, from what I remember, we, we played Peterborough every year that I was there from what I remember. And 
we ended up beating them. So we were always a playoff team, you know, like we were kind of middle of the pack, fourth, fifth place around there. So um, I think my first year we were a little lower. You know, one year we ended up playing Belleville, you know, they had Spezza in the lineup, staging a bunch of bunch of guys. I mean, they didn't go too well for us, but it was, you know, playing a team like that definitely helped, helped the following year and the rest, rest of my OHL career. So you shared with us earlier, it sounded like you really had this understanding and awareness and passion for the Ontario Hockey League. And, and that's something that a Canadian kid really has access to, like seeing hockey all around. It's something you really strive to, to do. And then you're playing in front of lots of fans. So maybe just describe for us, the listeners, what that whole experience was like those three, four years you played in the OHL. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, it's a huge learning experience, right? I mean, it's the first time you're really away from home. You know, you, you practice every day. It's it's a grind, right? So I, I think it really prepared me for to become a pro, right? Just you know, it helps you grow up, do the things you need to take care take care of the things you need to off the ice. Make sure you're always prepared, ready to play. So, I mean, it was just it was a great experience for me. And talk about your development and your coaching because you you enter and I don't know if you enter the OHL still automatically dreaming about the NHL, which you eventually strive towards, but. Did, did, were you, did you surprise uh, yourselves in terms of how much you developed? Or did you think you would have developed further than you did looking back? Or, um, I mean, <laughs> growing up, I, I, I always had a strong belief in my abilities, right? So to be honest, I thought I was going to step in and, you know, be a top guy right away. And it was kind of a little bit of a wake-up call, right? Like it's the first time you're, you're around the top guys and they're in different age groups. Now you're competing in the OHL probably four or five different age groups and you know you might be the best in your age group but there's a whole nother world out there that you haven't seen right so it was just you know if this is something you want to do you're really gonna have to put the work in so I think it was a, it was a little bit of a wake-up call yeah and then you know you're, you're humbled in that experience you deal with some resilience and you have to have a little bit of uh, you know perseverance to compete with all these other great athletes. Like it's not easy to play four years of junior hockey. So did did you benefit from that length of time you played? I, I think so. Like the development, you know, I was I was lucky. I had a really good goalie coach, spent a lot of time with them. Um, definitely helped in my development. So, you know, a lot of kids are they're in a rush to get to the next level. But you know, I always tell them the sooner you get there, the sooner you have to be ready, right? So I think, you know, spending that time in junior, you know, helped me a lot just prepare me for my first year pro. I was going to ask you then, are there any memories of particular coaches that made a big difference, either goalie coaches or head coaches that um, really rounded out your game? I spent a lot of time with my goalie coach, John Elkin. Like I, I mean, I think he pretty much taught me, I'd say 90% of all the goaltending stuff I know. Right. So, I mean, I owe a lot to him for my development and, you know, I was just lucky to have, you know, John Elkin was around, my agent, Mike Gillis was around. So I had a, I had a really strong support system in terms of that. And, you know, just it, they, they did a ton for me. So then tell us then, your last year of the OHL, you're traded. I, I'm going to assume you're traded, but you land with uh, Kingston Frontenac. One of our former guests from, from season two, Anthony Stewart, who I imagine you're friends with right now, lands on that team. So tell us uh, what went down with the, how you landed in Kingston? Yeah, I mean, so it was my 19-year-old year. Um, I think we were going through a bit of a rebuild in Oshawa. So, 
they ended up trading some of the older guys and I ended up going to Kingston. It was different, right? Like, I, I mean, playing in Oshawa, I'm about 40 minutes from home. I've been there most of my teenage years and then all of a sudden I'm out to Kingston, but I, I love that city. It was a great spot to be. So then tell us about the relationship with Anthony. Did you know him before uh, when you landed on that team? Did you guys meet for the first time? Tell us about that. Anthony, uh, we both grew up playing in the GTHL. You know, there's not too many black players back then. So we, we I've known Anthony probably since I was seven or eight years old, right? So it was okay. it was good to get traded to a team where, you know, there's people that you know there. And especially when he's the top guy, it makes the transition a lot easier, right? Yeah. So you finish off the OHL. And now you play minor pro. Well, first I want to ask you, you're drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Yep. Um, so did you see that coming again? That would have been um, the season prior? Uh, yeah, so that would have been after my 17-year, 18-year-old okay. year. Yeah, so you're um, drafted fifth round, 159th overall. Just describe, were there some other teams you thought might have expressed interest? Do you think you went lower, higher in the draft? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was going to go a little higher. I think every player was six year going to go a little higher. But, yeah. you know, I, I did the whole interview process with a bunch of teams. Like, you do your workouts for the teams, but, you know, they don't really say much to you, right? So it's just kind of you're just sitting there and just hoping yeah. to hear your name called. So so where was the draft? And did your family attend the draft? Tell us about that. So actually, my draft my draft was in Nashville. We didn't, I didn't actually go. So I was just – I think it was – Day two of the draft, I think, was my birthday. So I ended up, you know, I had a bunch of friends over and I know it was going to happen. I ended up getting a call from Larry Plo and I just, you know, basically thought it was one of my friends playing a trick on me. So <laughs> it was super exciting, obviously, right? You know, it's a goal you set for yourself as a young kid and then being able to achieve it. I was, you know, I was one of the, one of the happier days of my life for sure. So then you play minor pro 2004 until 2007. What what was that like? You played for Peoria, then you played for um, Alaska Aces. Uh, one of our other former guests played for them as well, and then Peoria Rivermen. So you're assigned. You're making like decent money, I guess, playing minor hockey the, over these years. Yeah, I mean, you, you sign your entry level, and then you know you're on that for three years. Um, and you basically just go where they tell you. <laughs> you don't have much of an option with it. But, you know, it's yeah. it a great experience getting to live and play in Alaska. I mean, it's something I'll never forget. Like, I still love going up there with the family, seeing some some of the old fans, some of the guys I used to play with. I mean, it's just, it was it was awesome. And how was the experience just playing in the, uh, the AHL with uh, Worcester and also Piora? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, Worcester's on the, um, I think it's the Atlantic Division. So the travel was, I wouldn't say it was crazy, but you have a lot of day of trips, right? So it takes a little getting used to just, you know, getting off the bus and going to play. And Peoria was a little different. We had a sleeper bus, but that also takes some adjusting, right? Like you're on the road 14 hours, sleep on the bus, get up, put your stuff on, you practice, and then maybe finally you get to the hotel type of thing. So did you come across much diversity in these years in the AHL? And were you someone that um, were there programs for you to sort of be um, you know, recognized by young racialized players in the U.S.? I'm just wondering what that experience was like for you when you traveled in these these cities and played. Not a lot. I mean, Alaska, I think, you know, there, there were two other black guys on the team with me. Um, Peoria, we, we had one or two, but 
you know, it was kind of few and far between. Yeah. Was there any bands that, um, you know, really supported you and identified with you and any young players or kids from any school programs that you recall? Um, you know, we, we had the fan base in Alaska is unbelievable. So, I mean, there are just a ton of fans there, you know, some I still keep in contact with, um, Peoria, we had the same thing. So I, I was pretty lucky that way throughout my career and, you know, just playing in some good cities with good fan bases and, you know, they're, they were always supportive. I mean, in Alaska, we didn't lose very often. So it yeah. was kind of, you know, you always have fans when you're doing that. And, sure. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a great, great experience. One thing about goalies is you're not necessarily always going to be playing every game. So when we started the show, say that you made St. Louis Blues and played that game, I kind of want you to walk us through what led up to that. Were you involved in training camps that year or was it just a straight call up from the minor league? So just describe that a little further for us. Yeah, I mean, so once you get drafted, you you know, you uh, you'll attend rookie camp, rookie tournament. So I did that. I ended up getting the invite to main camp that year. So I guess pretty much from the time I uh, I was drafted, you know, there's training camp every year. So that's kind of how we did it. And then my first call up, actually, I, I didn't make my first call up. I was in the East Coast League. We were playing out in Victoria. I guess a guy went down, so I got the call. And it was so late at night that I couldn't get off the island. Oh. I ended up missing that one. And what year would that have been? Like a few years before the 2007? Mm, it was probably the same year. Okay, same year. Okay. Yeah. Then my second call up, I can't. I think we were on the road again. Um, I get the call. My flight ends up getting delayed. So <laughs> land in St. Louis. I got. They had to get a police escort bring yeah. me to the rink. I made it just in time for warm oh. up, and then I think I was there. I was there for a while, and you know, eventually I got to play. Okay. So would there have been any other games then where you're you're on the roster, but you're not, you know, registered as like being with the blues. Did you have exhibition games or anything or any other NHL games? Yeah. So I played some exhibition games. I mean, I backed up probably a couple months. So I was, I was there for a while over, I think two, probably two different seasons. And then. Oh, wow. So that, that must've been a big moment. You're finally say you're delayed this police escort. We've actually heard that from other guests before where, you know, private jet or something got them to the game and they arrived late. So, so um, what are your memories of that experience? And who, who were you playing? Um, and did you win the game? And maybe you could just elaborate for this. I don't remember if we won, but it, we were playing Chicago. It was, um, it was back when Kane and Taves were in their heyday. So I was, I just remember watching Patty Kane handle the puck in the corner and just thinking to myself, these guys are really good. Remember watching him do stuff with the puck and seeing it live and at that pace was just incredible. Was that game in St. Louis or was it in Chicago? Yeah, it was in St. Louis. Okay. What was it like those years then being one of the few black professional players, if you include the minor pro years, the camps and those years in the NHL? Yeah, I mean, for me, it was just most of my focus was just trying to make sure I was prepared if I ever got the opportunity, right? So. I guess as I got a little bit older, there, you start to see a, a few more, a few more uh, black players come in. Like uh, Ryan Reeves was a rookie with us, so got to spend some time with him. You know, we had Hans Benson in Alaska. Justin Johnson was there as well. So there were a couple guys. I mean, all, the teams I played on, we were all close, so it was kind of didn't matter like what your background was. 
Oh, sure. So then are, are you optimistic right now about um, the future of hockey being come, becoming more inclusive? Are you optimistic about uh, steps that former players like yourselves, league officials, NHL, other people in minor hockey, are you optimistic away the way things are heading? I mean, you know, I think as a society, we're, we're making strides in the right direction. You know, the one thing that concerns me a little bit about hockey is not so much the racial aspect, just, you know, it's becoming quite prohibitive price-wise for a lot of, you know, young kids to play. So, I mean, obviously you've had Anthony on the show. It's something that he works hard to help out with. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we need to as former players do everything we can to get the most people like most kids that we can involved in the game. So I think what you're saying is um, regardless of race, when you're playing at playing and you looked at other teammates, there wasn't that as much of a financial barrier, whether you were, uh, you know, middle-class or whatever it may be, it seems like the costs have gone up so much now because of lots of reasons, I guess. Yeah. I mean, you know, if hockey costs what it does now today, then, I, I doubt that I would have got the opportunity to play, you know, just with our financial background. But, you know, there's there's a lot more programs now that are trying to help with that. But, you know, I I still think that we have some way to go with it. Yeah. So Anthony's program, Hockey Equality, and I you know if you assist with and we try to support through this podcast, it does um, remove barriers for sure, financial barriers, and also sort of invites people to the game too and sort of bridges that, opportunity of what hockey is all about and you must have felt that a little bit when you were u.s being canadian versus many racialized people may just not enter the game for awareness in some of the cities you played in the u.s yeah i mean for sure right like the one thing about you know growing up in toronto there's a very strong grassroots program here you know like pretty much when i was growing up every kid would be out on the street playing road mm-hmm. hockey you get introduced to it at an early age but depending on where you are in the u.s and you know it can be it's not something that's common you don't see a lot of kids playing hockey or you know they they don't even they just started covering it now with espn right but back then you'd have to try and when i was playing you'd have to you know try to get the nhl network or something like that just to see highlights in the morning type of thing right so yeah so we we know it's all competitive because there's a lot of long-standing popular sports in the u.s but with some intentionality there's there's um, i'm sure there's ways of um inviting people more to the game and becoming more aware and whether they are destined for the NHL or playing minor hockey or being coaches or all, all kinds of different ways, I guess, to increase that awareness. So tell us what happened then when you um, likely retired, I guess, in 2012, um, what did you do next? Um, so I was, you know, just kind of just trying to figure things out. I came back and then, you know, I needed something to do. I can't just sit on the couch all day. So I started coaching. Um, one of my friends was coaching uh, one of the Marlies teams. So hopped on board with him, just working with their goalies. And then from there, I ended up, you know, joining Mississauga Steelheads, being a, full, being a goalie coach with them, and um, had the opportunity to uh, start the Hockey Factory, an arena, you know, Stewie, Stewie's programs out of there. We do a lot of minor hockey stuff and just – you know, try to teach the kids and just pass along any knowledge I can. So is that who you're still with right now, occupying most of your time, the Hockey Factory? Yeah, so I uh, I run the Hockey Factory. Um, uh, where is it? Like Scarborough-ish, yeah. like Markham Scarborough area. Um, and then I work with the goalies in Mississauga. Well, now you're on the um, 
receiving end of sort of being a mentor, are you noticing um, parents and um, kids from racialized backgrounds that are really being appreciative of, uh, you know, the, the mentoring that you give to young people? Yeah. I mean, you know, like we work with, you know, kids of all different backgrounds. Um, obviously with hockey quality, I, I got to work with a few more. Right. But um, yeah, I, I'd say, you know, they're all appreciative. They, they seem to listen to what I say for the most part. So, I mean, I'm just, just happy. I got the opportunity to help out with them. Yeah. So what, what's in store with you uh, down the road then? Where do you sort of see yourself uh, continue to be involved in the game? I, I think I'll be, you know, as long as I'm breathing, I'll be involved in the game in some way. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy coaching, you know, working with the younger kids. So it's something I hope I can, you know, do for the foreseeable future. I'll give you an opportunity now, Chris, maybe just talk about what advice you would give to a younger player playing the game today. You know, the biggest thing for me is, you know, make sure you love the game and put the work in, right? If you're trying to get to the highest levels, it's, I always tell our guys, it's a lifestyle. So it's got to be a part of, you know, your everyday life, part of the decisions that you make away from the rink. If that's something that you want to do, then it's got to be, you know, present in every decision you make. Well, that's great advice to give, Chris. Thank you so much for walking us through your uh, successful minor hockey career. A uh, very lengthy um, OHL Ontario Hockey League career, and uh, to be drafted to the NHL and and make the pinnacle and and make it onto the ice in NHL, it's uh, something you must be very proud of. So, and now you're paying it back for it in terms of the coaching and mentoring you give to young players, and so you've got lo- a long career left of that. It sounds like uh, I'm looking forward to watching the impact you're going to make. I appreciate it. So uh, it's great having you on the My Hockey Hero podcast, Chris. And I hope to connect with you in the future. Thanks for having me. We're proud to be working with Hockey Equality. Hockey Equality is on a mission to create diversity at all levels of the game of hockey. By lowering financial barriers for BIPOC female and other equity deserving youth hockey players. If you've been moved by the stories shared on this podcast and want to help make hockey accessible to all, check out HockeyEquality.org. If you've enjoyed this podcast and would like to share this story with your kids, then check out My Hockey Hero. It's shorter and suitable for the whole family. You can click the link in the show notes or find it wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.